0: Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about the exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Well, today we're uh, concluding what I hope has been a very beneficial series for all of us. Uh, We've called it Fixer Upper. We've been looking at restoring God's design for the relationships in our life. Kind of what we said over the last few weeks that none of us can really deny is that we're all part of relationships, all right? Uh, Maybe it's a a marriage or dating relationship for you. Maybe it's a a friend or extended family relationship. Perhaps it's a coworker or classmate relationship. Maybe some of those coming to an end this week uh, as school comes to a close. But we're all involved in relationships, so we've got to figure out, how are we going to manage them? How are we going to do relationships? And what we've seen is that God has a design. He has a design for our relationships to be whole, to be healthy, and to be happy. And if I'm picking, all right, I want that one. And so uh, we kind of looked at how do we find God's design for all of those relationships in our life so that we can know what it means to have whole and happy and healthy relationships. Uh, if you've been here at all during this series, you may have realized that while we've said this series is a relationship series, and it is, and we're going to go there again today, uh, the reality is that the truth has been very personal in nature hasn't it all right and so we, like we've talked about how you can walk in humility and purity and love and and how do you walk in those things and what i haven't given you is like hey here's five ways um, to fix your significant other or your spouse like just go try these things they're gonna work okay add a little water it'll be great okay that doesn't it all we've said we've not said hey well here's three ways to go fix uh you know like your co-workers or your in-laws like just try this next thanksgiving everything will be good that's not what we've said but here's kind of where the truth has come across is, it said, hey, here's how to fix you. Here's how to fix you. Because here's the reality um, for some of you in the room, you need to realize this, that no matter how bad you want the other party in that relationship to fix themselves, or no matter how bad you want to fix them, newsflash, breaking news, you can't, all right, you, you can't do it. But you know who you do have some control and power over changing? You you. And so that's why I mean our hope is that the truth of this series has become a catalyst for us to go God how do you want to change me so that I can be who I'm called to be in my relationships because here's here's the reality it's amazing How, when we personally begin to allow God to shape and mold our our hearts, it's amazing how God opens the door for change inside of our relationships. So today we're going to do it yet again. Uh, I told you earlier during the series that when my wife and I moved into the house that we live in now here in Pearl, um, that we did some pretty extensive renovations on our house. Uh, We also noticed there was a house across the street, and we realized it probably needed some pretty extensive renovations as well. Uh, We come to find out it was a house that had been burned on the inside, and so on the outside you couldn't really tell a whole lot, but inside it was all charred and just it was a disaster and so we sat there and watched it and for three years no one touched the house i mean it just sat there we're like okay we're gonna have a blank lot next door so for three years it doesn't get touched then about two years ago uh, some guys pull up on a day in a work van they unload get out go inside and they start pulling out all the burnt stuff like they're pulling out all the old things starting to build up new walls they are painting the outside redoing the landscape and they start totally remodeling this house um but what we saw is that like it wasn't an overnight project. I mean, we're talking like five days a week for months, these guys pull up next door to restore and work on this house to get it where they wanted it to be. And then at the end of all of that process, I don't even know how many months it took, stuck a for sale sign in the front yard, and then somebody came and bought that thing. And and what we found out, and we kind of heard through some different sources, is that that ultimately sold as the highest selling house ever in our neighborhood. Now, why did I tell you that story? to tell you my neighbors got ripped off? No, I mean, like, I saw the house. It looked good. But I tell you that story to tell you this. Some of you desire, some of you think, and you want the relationships in your life to change overnight. And I'm here to tell you that that rarely happens, all right? So if you walked in today with a or many jacked up relationships in your life, can God redeem it? Absolutely, he can. But is he going to do it overnight? Probably not. Relationships require time and constant work and constant investment in us and in individually and also in us together. And so it takes honesty and transparency and commitment to make relationships work. And so that's why this has been five weeks. where We've been looking at relationships because there's so many parts to making relationships work. So if you've got a copy of scripture, we're going to go one more time. This time we're going to go first Peter chapter three. There towards the end of your copy of scripture, 1 Peter chapter 3, I would love for you to open up to a uh, hard or digital copy, whatever you've got of God's word, so you can kind of keep it in your lap. It'll take us about 10 minutes to get there, um, but I want to go ahead and give you a head start so that you can be there when we arrive. Uh, Today we're adding a fifth and final essential virtue for every healthy relationship. And the fifth and final virtue that we're going to add to our repertoire over the last five weeks is the virtue of honesty. The virtue of honesty. Every healthy and whole relationship is founded on honesty. And so I want to kind of go ahead and put a little disclaimer on the front end today, uh, kind of like I did a couple of weeks ago, that today, maybe for some of you, today's going to be a little bit of a hard and heavy word, all right? It may get up in your grill a little bit. And so here's, here's how I would, I would love for you to think about how you might respond today. I mean, I would love for you to lean in. And if you really want to God see do, to want to see God do some work and bring freedom inside of your life and inside of the relationships, the broken relationships in your life, then my prayer has been for you that in these moments that you would go, God, I'm open and you're the designer and you, your plan's best and whatever you want to say to me, God, I'm here and I want to hear it and I want to walk it out and I want to live it. And I believe that if you do that today, that man, God's going to deliver some very powerful truth, not from me but ultimately from the truth of his word that can literally change the relationships in your life. Um, if you've been here over the last few weeks, we've kind of done this before and after picture thing and the idea of remodeling. Uh, and so today we're going to look at the before picture. In other words, our relationships under our design. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you from the forefront today, okay, get ready. All right, the before picture, it ain't pretty, like it's not, like it's, it's burned and charred and it looks ugly, kind of like the house across the street. Um, it, it's not going to look great because we're trying to do relationships our way in the area of honesty. But then the beautiful part is, as we go to the truth of God's word, we're going to see an after picture. And man, where God can put paint on the outside and he can redo the inside of our relationships and he can make it the best house on the block if we'll choose to do things God's way. And so if you're taking notes today, I want us to look at the first part of the before picture. So this is relationships outside of God's design. In the area of honesty, they are defined as incomplete and dissatisfied. Incomplete And dissatisfied. Uh, According to research I found this week, 60% of adults admit they can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying. And in those 10-minute conversations, people lie on average three different times. Three times, 10 minutes. We lie to everyone. 86% of people admit to lying to their parents. 75% of people lie to their friends. 73% of people said they lie to their siblings. And 69% of people lie to their spouse. We lie to everyone, and we lie about everything. People lie on their resumes. We lie on social media. We lie about weekend plans. We lie to the doctor or to the teachers. We lie to make other people happy, and we lie to make ourselves appear more likable. We as a people struggle with being honest, and all of this ultimately reveals that we are incomplete and we are dissatisfied. Now, you probably wouldn't say that out loud. But the truth is, that's what our life demonstrates when we walk in dishonesty. Mark Twain, the author, once said, a man is never more honest than when he says, I am a liar. Because we have sinful hearts and dishonesty is our default, it is a struggle for so many people. And hear me, a relationship that lacks truth is a relationship that is incomplete and dissatisfied. Some people think lying can deny reality, and then it could ultimately get to satisfaction. We think, well, like, maybe if I could just navigate around this thing by telling some things that are not fully true, then we can reach satisfaction and we won't have to do all the messy stuff. And so we do things like leave out small pieces of information with our spouse, or we intentionally mislead people at work, or we tell bold-faced lies to our friends, thinking it will bring satisfaction. But as we'll see by the end of today, the liar is never fully satisfied. And so the first part of the before picture today, relationships done outside of God's design, they're incomplete and they're very dissatisfied. Second characteristic of relationships outside of God's design in the area of honesty is they're marked by conflict. They're marked by conflict. All right. Do you remember telling your parents a lie when you were a little kid? How many of you remember telling you? Maybe it's a little small something, maybe big something. How many of you remember doing that? All right. Those of you who don't have your hands raised, you're a liar. Okay. And so we, we've all done that at some point in life. Maybe it was like about a grade that you got at school or something you did with your friends, or it was like you got in trouble with your teacher. And, and so like, what happens? You remember that? Like when you, I don't know, you were five, six, seven, twelve, 12, whatever it was, 22. Okay. And when you did that, like, what, what did, what did you do? Like you told the lie and then you had to do everything you could to try to hide it so that your parents didn't find out, right? And so you did things like like you forged your parents' names on the take-home papers. All right? Am I preaching to anybody, okay? I'm just saying somebody might have done it, all right? Or maybe you, like, try to keep your parents from talking to your friend's parents, or you keep your parents from trying to, like, go to, you know, uh, go to parents' night at the school because you don't want them talking to the teacher to find out what really happened. And what happens is we we tell the lie, and then we have to tell another one to cover that one, and then we tell another one to cover those two, and another. And, and the reality is that the deeper that we get into dishonesty, the harder and harder it is to find truth. It's the same way in our relationships where honesty is not a priority; they're constantly filled with conflict because we're always trying to hide something. I can't remember sitting down with a single couple. I get to sit down with a lot of couples who are maybe in relationship turmoil, whether it's their marriage or dating, I can't remember sitting down with a single couple where dishonesty was not some part of the equation. Maybe the guy was had a secret habit or sin that, had not come out, or maybe the lady was dealing handling money in a wrong way for the family, or maybe one of them had an ongoing online relationship with a guy or girl from work that they had no business tinkering in, and guess what? Dishonesty always breeds conflict, always breeds conflict, but it's not just in marriages. Teenagers lie to their parents about what really went on at their friend's house. Our employees lie to their bosses about why they really didn't show up to work or what really happened on the job site. Our friends lie to each other about how they really feel about one another. And in the moment, in the moment, it may seem like dishonesty is protecting us from conflict. But the reality is dishonesty is only increasing the conflict, both internally and both in our relationships when the truth fully comes to light and the truth always comes to light. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 3 says this, those who guard their lips preserve their lives, but those who speak rashly, or we could say speak dishonestly, will come to ruin. Relationships that fail to practice full truth and honesty are filled with conflict because they're always striving and working to hide something. There's a a third part of this before picture of relationships outside of God's design, and that that is that they are destructive. They're destructive. We've all seen uh, the after pictures of when a tornado sweeps through a city or sweeps through a town and the destruction that it leaves behind it where it demolishes homes and flips cars and takes out trees. And in the same way, dishonesty breeds destruction. And it wipes out and causes hurt. But we convince ourselves that lying is actually better. We lie so people won't be disappointed. But ultimately, dishonesty and deception cause destruction to you and to your relationships. Lies create hurt and mistrust. And maybe you know someone right now in your mind, you can think of them this quick, who has been so dishonest to you for so long that you don't know when to believe anything that they say. And psychologists tell us, That if we lie long enough, that it can create a mental condition of being a pathological liar where we begin to believe our own fantasy. See, lying is destructive to us personally. But lying is also destructive to us relationally. Lies and dishonesty have ended marriages, closed down businesses, created family turmoil, ended friendships, and created years of tension between parents and children. And perhaps some of you in the room right now, have real scars and real pain and real hurt in your life because a spouse or a parent or a child or a co-worker or a friend was not honest with you. And as a result of that, you have real destruction in your life. The great pastor Charles Spurgeon said, lying and wicked talk stuffs our pillows with thorns and makes life a constant whirl of fear and shame. Now, we label them, White lies. And we say, it's not that big of a deal. It won't really hurt anyone. But the truth is, there are no white lies. All dishonesty causes destruction, and it tears down walls of trust that ultimately take weeks and months and many times years to rebuild. Lying, Scripture says, is wrong every single time, and every single time lying causes destruction relationships done in the before picture, in our design, in how our flesh reacts are defined by conflict. They're incomplete and dissatisfied, and ultimately they are destructive. I told you, it's not a very hopeful picture to look at. And maybe for some of you, if you got really gut level honest today, you'd go, you know what, like that's some relationships in my life. Or maybe that's me and how I act in a relationship or some relationships in my life. And maybe that's caused you to be in a season of conflict or a place of destruction right now in a marriage, in a friendship, in a parent-child relationship, a work relationship, whatever that looks like. But can I tell you today that our God is a redeeming God, that he's a restoring God And that there is nothing that is too difficult or too broken for him to mend and restore and fix. I think that's why he looks at us in 1 Peter 3 and he gives us some instruction today. He says, hey, do you want me to restore that? Then I want you to trust me and to walk in this truth. So I want you to look with me at 1 Peter chapter 3 and pick up in verse 8. Peter writes this. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, Peter gives us some encouragement. If you've been with us over the last five weeks, it kind of coincidentally goes right along with everything we've talked about. He's like, be a person of love, man. Pursue unity, walk in purity, be a person of humility. He says, all these things, they can happen. Like, they're not just some wishful thinking. They can be reality. And then he says, one more bit of encouragement. He goes, then tack this on there. Pick up verse 10. This is where we left off. For whoever would love life, and see good days, must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. Verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, these verses are first recorded in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, written by a guy named David. If you know anything about David's story, you know David had the credentials to write about honesty and dishonesty. He knew the positive and negative effects of honesty and dishonesty. So he writes this, Peter takes it, and he's like, I'm going to stick it in my book because it's good. I'm going to put it in my letter, and then I want us to expound on what Peter says. So here's the first part of this after picture. So when we do relationships under God's design, they can be defined as fulfilled and content. They can be defined as fulfilled and content. Well, relationships where dishonesty is present, incomplete, dissatisfied, relationships done God's way are fulfilled and content. Peter says, it doesn't have to be that way. Like You can sit there if you want to, but God has a better design. And in verse 10, Peter says, whoever would love life and want to see good days. In this phrase, Peter is literally saying whoever desires to have a good life do this. Now, I don't know anybody that woke up this morning and was like, man, I can't wait to hate life today. Like, I, just, I just hope this is the worst day I've ever had. Like, nobody does that. And Peter knows that. And so he says, hey, if you want to know good days, if you want to have good days and have longevity of life, happy life, then do this. Here it is. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Peter's saying, don't involve yourself in trouble. Which will, lead, which will make this life a burden and ultimately forfeit the life that is to come. Now, The word deceit here that Peter uses in the original language, it means to bait. And so it's this picture of like a fish hook or a trap or a trick. And when we live with deceit, we are deliberately attempting to mislead or to trick or to bait someone else by telling lies. It's why the marketing world, if you've ever been there before or studied that, they have have a scheme. They call it bait and switch, where they lure the customer in with prices that are too good to be true. And Peter says here, he says, hey, in your marriage, in your your parent-child relationship, in your friendship, in your family, bait and switch isn't the perspective you take. That's not how God designed it. It's not where we tell half-truths to our spouse to keep them from possibly getting upset, or where we tell our parents one thing and then do another. It's not where we deceive our boss or our friends so that we can get what we want. In relationships done under God's design, honesty is the only option on the table. It's all we got to choose from, in the big things and in the small things, in the seen things and in the unseen things. And Peter says, when you learn to choose truth continually and make it a habit, you will have a happy life and you will see many good days. You will be fulfilled and you will be content. Think about it. It's impossible to really love life and see good days when you're constantly living with the weight of deceit in your life. I mean, it's impossible if you're in Christ. It's like taking a hundred pound book bag and put it on when you leave here and wearing it all week until you get to the gathering next week and acting like it doesn't bother you. No, it is. You can't do that. Why? Because that's not how you were designed. And Peter says, God didn't design you to live with the weight of deceit in your life. He created you in Christ to have a new heart and a new mind that chooses honesty in all of your relationships. Here's how Paul says it. Colossians chapter three, verse nine, do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Think about when you were young uh, and you went to the doctor. What's one of the first things that the doctor told you when you sat in the room and he came in for a checkup? What did he tell you? Let me see your tongue. All right. Let me see your tongue. Stick your tongue out. right. Why do you do that? Because the doctor had wisdom and training to be able to look at your tongue and to be able to tell something might not be right. And maybe for some of you today, God brought you here at 1130 today to go, let me see your tongue. Let me see your tongue. Because by looking at your tongue, I can tell if something might not be right. And the reality is that your truth Or your lack of truth is an indicator of the condition of your heart. And you'll never have a healthy heart and healthy relationships when dishonesty is what comes out of your mouth. But when you walk in truth, you will find fulfillment and contentment because it ain't about you making it happen anymore. But it's about being fulfilled and content personally in Christ and then in your relationship in Christ. And God says, that can be in your after picture. Fulfillment and contentment when you do it under my design. Second characteristic is this. Under God's design, our relationships can be peaceful. No way. Yeah. While many relationships are defined by conflict, God has a greater design of peace. Verse 11, Peter said it. He says, turn from evil and do good. Now, this idea of turning from evil, it's got to be an intentional choice for every person in the room. And for every person in the room, probably looks a little bit different. But here's the deal. As long as you walk in or with evil and dishonesty, don't be surprised when evil and dishonesty is what flows out of you. It's a natural result. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. And maybe for some of you today, the greatest step that you can take personally to pursue the after picture and God's design in your relationships is for you to begin to separate yourself from the things and the people that lean your heart towards dishonesty. So maybe for you that means like blocking certain people on social media. Maybe that means changing the shows or the music that you listen to for entertainment. Maybe that means finding accountability for a secret sin or habit in your life that you have to use deceit to hide. Maybe it means disengaging from a group of people at work that are constantly stretching the truth to try to lean it in their favor. The old phrase speaks great truth. When garbage comes in, garbage will be what comes out. And Peter says, you can't expect to surround yourself with dishonesty and hope truth comes out. Turn from evil. And then in verse 11, Peter writes this. He says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. A few weeks ago, uh, during, I think, week two of this series, we talked about our call to be a peace pursuer. We said that God can restore unity, but to do so, we have to pursue peace at all cost in all of our relationships. Why do we do that? That's hard. That's difficult. I got hurt because that's the way that Jesus pursued us. He's the great peacemaker. And so Peter says, pursue peace. You want to know one of the greatest ways to maintain peace in your relationships, all of them, be a person that speaks truth. You don't know one of the easiest ways to just stir up some conflict in your relationship? Don't be a person who speaks truth. It's really plain and simple. I think we all watched over the course of 2016 as a presidential election played out. And no matter who you supported, I think we can all agree it became really difficult to watch debates or the news or read articles because the reality is we didn't know who was telling the truth and who wasn't. We're just like, would somebody just shoot straight with me? And as a result of that, what happened? Much conflict ensued because there were so many people who failed to walk in truth. And the same thing can be true in our marriages, our families, our friendships, and our work environments if we don't become people who walk in honesty and pursue peace. The New Living Bible translates verse 11 that we just read this way. I love how it says it. It says, try to live in peace, even if you must run after it to catch it and hold it. In other words, whatever you got to do, go get it. There is no value. Hear me. There is no value or price tag that you can put on living at peace in your relationships. I can tell you firsthand, there is no value. Peace can only be found when we walk in complete truth. Heard a pastor friend say recently, lies are clean on the front end because you seem to get away with it, but it's messy when it's made known. Truth-telling is sometimes messy on the front end, but it actually leads to free, clean living on the backside. Psalm chapter 141, verse 3, the psalmist writes this. He says, Set a guard over my mouth. Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Reality is God has made our mouth a doorway to our body, to our heart, to our mind, to our soul. And out of it, can come truth and life, or out of it can come dishonesty and destruction. We make the choice. And the psalmist here in Psalm 141, he gets very authentic. And he goes, God, I can't keep a guard over my mouth. And so he asks God, God, would you set up a guard over the doorway to my heart? Would you put up a guard? Maybe for some of you today, that's what God's saying. Hey, in your marriage, in your friendship, In your relationship with the in-laws, like, would you pray right now? Would you pray, God, would you put up a guard over the doorway of my mouth so that I can be a person that pursues peace and that speaks truth? And God has the power to build that in you through the power of his spirit. So relationships under God's design are not only fulfilled and, and content, but they're filled with peace. They can find peace. Third and final characteristic that I love that Peter includes... Under God's design, relationships in the area of honesty can be blessed. They can can really be blessed. While dishonesty opens the door to destruction, honesty opens the door to blessing. I'll say that again. While dishonesty opens the door to destruction, honesty opens the door to blessing. And Peter, in verse 12, the last verse of this passage, he lays out two distinct groups that we just saw. He says one group is a group of that's righteous, that speaks truth. Another group, he labels the evil, those who don't walk in honesty and don't pursue truth. And Peter lays them out, and then he gives us God's response to both of them. And so in the final few minutes today, that's all I want us to do, is I want us to see these two groups, maybe go, God, where am I? And I want us to see God's response to those two groups. The first one I want us to look at is the back half of verse 12. Peter mentions, he says, those who do evil, or we could say those who live dishonestly. And Peter says this, he says, the face of the Lord is against those who do not walk in truth. Now, this idea of the Lord's face being against means that God's anger and God's displeasure will be on those who fail to live with honesty. Here's the truth, guys. God hates lying. God hates lying. One of the Ten Commandments that probably many of you could quote is do not Lie. And then we look in the Old Testament, and Proverbs chapter 6 says this, verse 16. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Scripture says there are six things that God cannot stand. And lying is two of those. God cannot tolerate dishonesty. And although we may believe that overbilling the client or looking the other way at work or telling our parents or spouse only half the truth or fibbing about our kid's age at the restaurant, while we may go, it's not that big of a deal like no one will ever know. God says, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Because God cannot tolerate his children who he designed to walk in truth, walking in dishonesty. And lying is wrong every single time in the big things and in the small things, in the seen things and in the unseen things. And Paul writes this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. He says, nevertheless, the one who receives the instruction in the word, what we're doing, We should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, don't miss it. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man who reaps what he sows, whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Paul says, the God of the universe will not be mocked. And if nobody else knows, God does. If nobody else knows or sees it, God does. And Paul says, when you sow dishonesty, you will ultimately reap destruction. And God's face will be turned against you and your relationships. Scripture says that we have a real enemy. We label him the devil. And scripture says he is the master of deceit. And when we live in deceit, it is not from God. It's not from God. And God cannot tolerate dishonesty because of where it comes from and what it does to his people. And as a result of that, he turns his face on those who do not walk in truth. And not only does God turn his face on the dishonest now on earth, but Scripture says that God turns His face on the dishonest eternally. I'll share with you a couple of verses from Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. It says, Those who are victorious, who walk in truth in Christ, will inherit all of this. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. But, verse 8, the cowardly and the unbelieving and the vile and the murderers and the sexually immoral and those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Now, did I share that with you to try to scare you today? No. But I share that with you to help us all feel the weight of the displeasure. That God has towards dishonesty, that he did not create us to walk as people who would walk around the truth, but he created us to be people who would walk in the truth. Now, that's the first group, but Peter mentions another group, and I want us to see what that looks like. Peter says this, he says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and he hears their prayers. In other words, for those who walk in honesty, God does not turn his face away from them, but God turns his face towards them and they find blessing. That's God's desire. Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, the Lord detests lying lips. He's not about that, but he delights. He finds joy in people who are trustworthy. Scripture says, God takes special notice of those who speak truth. And he has a special affection for those who live in honesty, in the big things, in the small things, in the seen things, and in the unseen things. Not only does God watch over them, but more importantly, Peter says, God hears their prayer. In other words, people who walk in truth in a moment of need, in a moment of hurt, in a moment of pain, in a moment of worship can cry out to God in prayer with confidence that he hears them. I've got two kids at my house, and I love to give my children good gifts, especially when I see them walk in truth. Especially when I see them walk in truth. And God the Father today says, I have a blessing waiting for you. For you, if you will choose my design to walk in truth, maybe for some of you today, you rolled in, and it doesn't feel like your prayers are being heard, and it doesn't feel like your relationships are working at all. And you go, I just don't know what's wrong. Maybe God the Father brought you here today because he's loving, because he's just, and he goes, it's because you're not walking in truth. And I designed you for truth. So what do you do today? What do you do today if you're struggling in the area of honesty? How do you fix a broken, dishonest heart? I want to give you three things as we close today. First, I believe you've got to admit to God that you got it wrong. You've got to admit you got it wrong. Own the fact that you haven't been a person of truth. Here's the deal. God already knows. He's just waiting for you to be honest with him. So in other words, stop lying to yourself that you're not a liar. And own where you fall short. And God says he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you got to first own it before God. Second, you got to trust God and allow him to work in you and for you. Trust God, allow him to work in you and for you. At the heart of every lie, you want to know what sits there? Fear. At the heart of every lie is fear. We lie because we don't trust God to be God. God. So we think we got to do it on our own. We got to fix that relationship. We got to make it work our way. We got to lie to provide for ourselves. So today for some of you, you need to start letting God be God. You don't have to lie anymore to protect yourself or to provide for yourself. Not when you're in God's hands. His plan is way better than ours. And we trust him as God who provides and as God who protects. And he says, I just want you to be obedient walking truth to trust God, to work in you and for you. Finally, replace your dishonest heart with a truth-filled heart. Replace your dishonest heart with a truth-filled heart. And I want you to hear me. I don't just mean be a person who tries to speak words of truth, but here's what I mean. I mean replace your dishonest, broken heart with a truth-filled heart of the capital T truth. And to put him, not the concept, at the center of who you are. Here's what scripture says, John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus answered, and he says, I, Jesus, am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father, no one knows God's full design, except when they do it through me. And early in John's gospel, he wrote this, John 8, verse 31, Jesus said, he says, if you'll hold to my teaching, not just hear it and let it go. But you hold to it. You are really my disciples. You really love me. And then you will know what the truth and the what? The truth will be what sets you free. Jesus is truth. He's truth. And the only, it's only the truth of Jesus when it's alive and it's at work continually in you that will allow you to break off the chains and the slavery of a dishonest heart. And Jesus can fill it up, and he can restore it and make it new. See, here's the deal. Just like with every single virtue that we've tackled during this five-week series, you'll never be, never be the husband, the wife, the mom... The dad, the son, the daughter, the coworker, the boss, the in-law, the family member, the grandparent. You'll never be who God designed you to be in the relationships in your life until you take Jesus, capital T truth, and you put him in the center of everything that you are and you let him lead and you do life in his truth because he is the only truth worth following and he's the only truth that will set you free. And when you do, that ugly, nasty before picture... God can flip it, and he can begin to make it a beautiful picture of how he designed relationships to be. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.